Hi, this is Tamson Granger. This is Dan Abbey With Tamson and Dan Read the Paper, you can uh, probably hear we have uh, some guests today. Uh, we have uh, Pepper Abuhoff and Zeke Abuhoff, and uh, most especially Noel Borg, who is going to chime in on a couple of articles. Yes, from from the interest. left coast, for the magic of technology. And it's Sunday, right. December 13th, we should say. It is Sunday, December yes. 13th. That's true. Thank you. And uh, we're getting close to the holiday. Oh, we're we in the a, middle we have almost of a couple weeks. Hanukkah. Yeah. And we've been celebrating Hanukkah. We're in the throes. I think the Jewish word is throes. We actually made latkes. We're in the latkes. throes of Hanukkah. Yeah. Zeke and Noel, have you made latkes yet? It's on the docket for tonight. Oh, Ooh, is it yeah. really? Don't feel any pressure. There's no pressure. No. I'm sure Pepper will help. All latkes right. are a wonderful thing. Well, speaking of... It's hol- their loss they're, if they gonna, don't manage They're going to make it. They're yeah. going to make All it. Right. Uh, so we were watching, uh, strangely, for no reason, we started watching the baking show a little bit. The What's that called? The Great British Baking Show? Yes. Something like that. And uh, not only that, uh, but in particular for the holidays, we tuned in to their holiday edition. Which it turns out mm-hmm. is from... 2019. Is that right? Yeah. It's still, and it's taken a whole year to get across you know, it's the It's amazing the way it holds up <laughs> from 2019 to this year. And for those, uh, I feel like we're the only people who haven't watched the holiday baking, and that, the baking show, the Great British Bake Off. Probably. Uh, so it we, we are requires... Often, we are often late to the party. Yes, requires very little explanation, but uh, just one line is that it uh, takes place in the UK. They have 10 contestants in a normal uh, situation. They each get uh, three assignments over the course of a particular show. Uh, they have to do a particular, like a particular type of biscuit or something, and, and they have to do uh, some uh, other dessert. Then they have to do some so-called showstopper, which is usually you have to carve some dessert into the shape of a person's face or something. It's pretty wild. And then they have um, judges who judge it, and uh, they kid around the whole time as you watch these people bake under pressure. And then they narrow it down. So they build up the pressure. They drop a candidate uh, each week and then it winnows it down. Then you have a winner after 10 weeks. That's a general idea. Um, and uh, it's fun, right? It's generally fun. You enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's not exactly uh, challenging television, either to make or to watch. Well, there's a lot but, of, you know, there's humor, there's drama. You know what it is? It's good to watch with a group, too. Right. We watch yeah. it with a group here yeah. and we enjoy it. And, and the holiday show, for those who feel that there's too much pressure... And it's too intense to watch the regular show. The holiday show narrows it down to just four contestants. And the stakes are smaller because they're just that much friendlier. The the assignments are that much less challenging. And there's just more of a premium put on the uh, back and forth and the good feeling that goes with the holiday. Is that fair? So I, w- I went online and uh, in the New York Magazine yeah. site Vulture, mm-hmm. they did a recap. Yeah. And they said uh, it's um, perfect. To have on in the background right. while you're doing something else. Exactly. It, it, it's like yeah. it's a functional equivalent of the Yule log. Right. Right. And not, you not too interruptive. No. No, I think that's fair. But it's, it's funny, and it, and they have all that wacky British food. You know. Yeah. Like meat wreath. Well, meat wreath was the highlight of the holiday week. So now I should ask at this point, Noel, did you get a chance to look at the holiday edition all, or were you just watching the regular edition? I, I did not. I just watched uh, the first episode of the latest season, which I had also heard was very funny because they do busts of celebrities and to varying degrees of success. Some yeah. people were able to 
really make it look lifelike and others were not so much. And that was really the fun part, was seeing yeah. somebody attempt to make, you know, Lupita Nyong'o's face and just have it go right. horribly awry. See Pepper's trying me in. But, you know, <laughs> when you say bust, just so we're clear, that these are sculptures made out of cake. Cake sculpture. Yes. 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 That's, that's what makes it fun. Well, here's the thing. Did you enjoy it? I did. I think it was like, it. I mean, it's classic like reality competition TV where it's like you, they have a basic format and the exciting part is finding out who did the best and who lost. Um, so it, it's kind of long. It's like, an, it was like an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 for me, it's a little too long. I, I kind of doze off at a certain point. Well, that just adds to the pleasure of watching the show. Well, anyway, so but but, but, you, but, you, you, but there is it is it's, it's inspiring. Fun to watch it's inspiring. Brits you you do mentioned anything. yes, but you mentioned before the meat wreath, which came up in this in the episode you didn't see Noel because that was the holiday one, and the meat wreath is a how shall I say it's a, some kind of pastry in the uh, form of a wreath, uh, enclosed is sausage, and uh, it's a sausage. Enclosed in puff pastry or some kind of pastry. I think I said, said that. I mean, that sounds delicious. It does, well, here's here's the inside <laughs> scoop on this, Noel. So guess who decided the day after we saw that episode to make it on her own? The answer is Ms. Uh, Granger. And uh, okay. so last night we were treated to <laughs> well, a, a meat wreath. It just happened that we had all the ingredients on hand. Oh, as, okay. as one does. And so uh, we, we did it. We had meat we, we had wreath, yes. And... Uh, to everyone's shock, it was... Excellent. It was, it was quite tasty. So we were in the holiday season. Um, now, I don't know what it's like in, in L.A. with the holidays. So I'm reading articles here about people buying trees early because they're so eager to break the monotony of what their lives have been, and they want to start celebrating the holidays early. And as a result, the tree sellers are selling out of trees early. Uh, but what's going on in L.A., uh, Noel? I mean, I don't know if they've been able to sell out here, but um, I definitely, we started noticing Christmas trees, I think, before Thanksgiving, like just walking around the neighborhood, they were already set up. I think people are definitely anxious to celebrate the holidays. We went and got our tree earlier than we usually do, and that's even when we usually, we usually travel and we're like, I just was like, oh no, they're going to, I was worried they were going to run out. We d They didn't run out at the place where we usually go, but... Um, I, well, I, I think it's people are anxious to celebrate the holidays we given need a little the pandemic. Christmas right this very minute. Ba, 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 ba. Is this for Pepper's benefit? This no, it's not. It's just sometimes in your life you need a little Christmas now, and uh, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think we're seeing that. Uh, is that everywhere. from? Is that from Maine or is that? Yes. From, okay. Yes. Just want to remind myself. Okay. You know, I'm not up on the First Testament. Uh, you know, so much. Um, okay, great. All right, so let's let's start getting into the substance. We wanted to talk first. Well, you know. Yeah, well, part of the reason we called uh, Noel in is because uh, I saw this article in the New York Times, Just Whose Diet Is It Anyway? Yeah. And uh, was basically saying that um, the recommendations of uh, the United States government and uh, the Academy of... Nutrition and dietitians, whatever it is, uh, make pretty limited uh, have a pretty limited scope in terms of uh, what's nutritious. What did you think of that article, Noel? 
I think, I mean, I'm glad to see that that idea is kind of coming more into the mainstream. I worked at an eating disorder treatment center, like, now six years ago. And so this was interesting, brand new information to me, just to kind of learn how much, how much nutrition is kind of based off of really like a Eurocentric idea of what is beauty. And so um, it's nice to see that they're like, oh, actually, like, nutritious foods don't have to just be like kale and quinoa and I think they mentioned like chicken breast and green beans um that actually you can have a varied diet and also incorporate different people's uh cultures and foods um so it's nice to see that they're starting to think a little bit about that because it's pretty much like I mean, my impression is that it was like, okay, like, there's a lot of young white women who are interested in this, um, and then they're going into, like, poor neighborhoods and um, other, like, areas where there are people of color, and then kind of being these white saviors, being like, well, you should stop eating, like, rice and beans and instead eat kale and quinoa. Have you heard about these things? Um, and it's not that these people haven't heard of these things. They're just like, that's not my food. That's not my culture. That's not what I like to eat. So yeah. trying yeah. to think more inclusively about how to how to cater to different people and also thinking more about like even um, what, what it means to be healthy too um, and where that comes from is really important. Well, I thought it was interesting that uh, I never really thought, I, you know, I hear recommendations like this and they seem ridiculous, you know, it's and and at the face of it, just the idea of, you know, looking at um, uh, Latin food and saying rice and beans bad and moving on um, yeah. seemed crazy. And the article does follow a, a couple of people. One is... Uh, a young woman of color who is interested in becoming a dietitian, and and she, um, you know, says, yeah, we spent like one day on, uh, you know, other cultures, and the idea was, uh, you know, um, basically the food's not good for you, move on, okay, and uh, no kind of exploration of how to eat healthfully with these other cultures in mind, these other traditions, these other foods. There's no healthy food in uh, Asian or Asian Indian uh, cultures. I mean, it just seemed a little uh, crazy uh, that that would be the case. And it, you know, it seems to say that the, um, the research is really based on a very limited perspective oh. And that ends up giving very limited results in terms of what the recommendations are. And there is a certain pushback from people saying the academy needs to broaden its horizons, all right, Um, and uh, be able to come up with recommendations that are sensitive to people's culture um, and people's lives. And... uh, um, yeah, no, I, you know, you'd like to think, though, that there's some acknowledgement or recognition of the quality of other foods. I'm thinking of quinoa. Isn't quinoa from South America? Am I wrong about that? Yeah, it is. Actually, the interesting thing that I was going to bring up about quinoa is, um, they, and they mentioned this a little bit in the article, they talk about, like, bison and um, catering to, like, Native American communities who are who need dietitians and dietitians being like, well, bison is good, and then 
so many people are eating bison now that Native Americans, uh, it's hard to get, it's hard to come by the bison. Like it's being over It's hard to get. Yeah, it's been yeah, over harvested. I think that is true of quinoa too. I think folks in South America yeah. have trouble getting quinoa now. Yeah, it used to be the food of like pe- indigenous people in the mountains. Yeah. And now they, I looked this up before. Yeah, between 2006 and 2013, like it like quadrupled or tripled in price. And now they can't, they can't eat it anymore. So they have mm. to find some other food. So, um, there, there's, it's, I mean, it's very similar. It's like, it's, it's kind of like, reminds me of colonizing. It's like the civilizing experience of like, we're, we're going to take, we're going to ignore the stuff that we think isn't civilized, isn't the good food, isn't the kale and quinoa and take what we take from the culture, what we think is good and make it ours and no longer attribute it to or give access to the people who came up with this food in the first place. Well, just ignoring these these other foods and other cultures and possibilities. Not, you know, uh, just uh, rather than exploring whether they might be healthy and how they might be healthy, just saying, no, 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 that's not the healthy stuff. Because most of their research has been based on um, sort of the typical... Yeah, well, look, but there's some tension between the two things we're talking about. But but I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I like the idea... So the uh, the Department of Agriculture guidelines are informed by this academy. Yeah. Okay, and the academy, yeah. you know, um, comes up with recommendations and then the uh, Department of Ag forms uh, guidelines for... Americans based on their research, which is limited to their perspective. And uh, for instance, you know, I like this. There's 98 so-called American recipes in their recipe database. Mm -hmm. Okay. 28 Asian, which has things, recipes, sophisticated recipes like oriental rice. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm being a little um, sarcastic there. Nine (laughs) Middle Eastern recipes. Mm-hmm. There are quite a few Latin, what they call Latin recipes, 122, mm-hmm. but they include things like skinny pizza, which is pizza that you make on a tortilla. Mm. How Latin is that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, it does sound like it's about time to uh, broaden both the, yeah. you know, part of it is the makeup of the academy. And, yeah. uh, um, fewer people are qualifying to be in the academy. Okay, uh, you have to to be a qualified dietitian. You have to have now a graduate degree, and yes. you have to pass this uh, test. That uh, it's two hundred dollars to sign up for it, and you have to have an internship. Um, these are pretty high bars, <laughs> so this makes it look like the academy is not really trying to broaden membership. In fact, over the last ten years. Um, African-American membership in the academy has dropped by 20%, 18% to be precise. Yeah, I mean, I looked into, part of the reason I got out of this game is that it's, you spend, you can easily spend $200,000 just to go to a place like NYU for a graduate degree with NYU for uh, for a dietitian, and then um, you make like $50,000 a year, and that's if you have like a, a gig working with a hospital. It's basically like, the only thing that insurance covers for nutritional counseling is eating disorder treatment, diabetes, um, and like if you're a dietitian who works in the ICU or something like that, deciding what is going to go into the the IV drip. So it's 
it's kind of hard to make money. And so you can see how like the temptation is to move into a private practice. So I think dietitians who stay in their field for a long time and do really well are going to be catering more to, you know, an audience that might <laughs> like something like Goop, um, like Gwyneth Paltrow. So, um, it's goop, like, Tamsin. I'm on to Goop. I, I don't know if you are. But I think this article feels that Goop is not good. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know yeah. about the article. But, right, uh, because it, it just reflects skinny white women. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, I think, kale. Yes. Well, right. yes. And other reasons besides. <laughs> and dried out uh, chicken breasts. There is a thought that uh, yeah. Palco actually lacks the graduate degree. The article also right. um, explored some of the people who are trying to develop a broader mm-hmm. uh, practice and uh, um, recommendations that, you know, reflect or are accessible to other cultures. So anyway, so I thought that was um, interesting and I hope all of that's going to change because like I said, uh, you know, the government guidelines seem completely out of touch. Well, that's, you know, that's not a huge surprise. Uh, so another health oriented uh, article was an article that you pointed out to me about saunas, sweating it out. Uh, this happened to be w- w- giving you a description of saunas you might buy for the home. Uh, yeah, saunas it, are having a moment. And they say the uh, myriad, this is according to the article, the myriad benefits of saunas have been documented in numerous studies. Uh, supposedly they improve insomnia, inflammation, uh, pain, blood pressure, and brain function. Well, that sounds good. Uh, right. Also I, in- Increases blood flow or something? Incre- they say increases blood flow. I don't even know what that means. I, I, actually, it says it increases blood volume. I know even less what that means, but <laughs> I think that's it's fair to say the writer of the articles is with me on that. Uh, but uh, so, so we have a sauna, and and the question we is, we accidentally have a sauna. Accidentally, we, we bought a house bought that a has house a sauna. That had a sauna. Well, it wasn't accidentally when we wrote the check there, but in any event, we do have a house <laughs> with a sauna, and uh, I use the sauna. You don't. I do not use the sauna. And. Uh, you know, I kind of like it, uh, and uh, I'd like to think it's beneficial, but sometimes you wonder, and I am heartened when I read an article like this. Now, I understand, Noel, that you are really the veteran sauna user of the group here. Is that right? I don't know if I'm the veteran user, but we, I mean, I went up to the mountains every weekend. I'm from Colorado, so went up to the mountains every weekend growing up, and at the condo where we stayed, there was a hot tub, and next to the hot tub was the sauna, so... It was this kind of, at the end of a long ski day, you are tired, your muscles are sore, you go d- soak in the hot tub for a little while while the, while the hot, while you're sitting in the hot tub, you warm up the sauna and you go into the sauna and that's a nice cozy place to hang out and get warm before you have to like hustle back up the stairs, back up to the condo, um, to go to sleep. And it, how long, it's, how long I, do you stay in a sauna? Um, I, not too long is the main recommendation that I understand is you don't, I wouldn't want to stay in there maybe like longer than 30 minutes. I think probably we would, as a little kid, it was like, you're not, don't stay in there too long. You don't want to pass out. Um, yeah. so I think yeah. we, I was like, thinking push- more like 10 minutes, but, but anyway, yeah. you're from hardier stock. Uh, <laughs> well, there's no question about it, but, uh, so, but you felt you got some uh, benefits from the sauna, obviously you enjoy doing it. Yeah, I mean, I read the article that you guys sent, and I think one thing that resonates for me, because it's about people buying more saunas during the pandemic and just not having access to those things, it's being able to have a nice, cozy place to go in a cold winter. I live in L.A. now, so it doesn't (laughs) resound as much, Um, but I can imagine, like, going through a sort of brutal winter and being like, I really miss 
going to a place where it was truly warm. I know at least once I, I've gone to like the Korean spas here, which have like hot tubs and steam rooms and saunas as well. And it's just a nice place to really relax and warm up. Um, and I feel like, I mean, I swam too in Colorado and coming out. There's nothing better than like being like nice and cozy and warm. Your cheeks are all red and you walk out into like a cold wintry scene and you just feel like warm from the inside out well so, they say that actually the article and one of the persons they interview at the end of the article talking about how much they love the sauna describes just that a sauna they have in upstate new york and she says it's tremendous cold therapy because she walks out after the sauna and it's wonderful she sees a full moon she hears coyotes and this is a quote sometimes i think what if a wolf approaches me on my way back from the sauna to the house and kills me. He says, well, it wouldn't be a bad way to die. I feel so amazing. <laughs> so well, anyway, I went online to see what kind of saunas you can buy. And? Well, you can buy something for 200 bucks. Oh, my God. That is like a, a big quilted bag. Yeah, that's not what we're talking all right? about. And your head sticks out <laughs> the a, top, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's... A, but you can buy you can buy a nice little Probably wooden... Probably for, for about 1000 like, bucks, I would think. Well, they they run from like maybe 1500 yeah. to like $6,000. Right, right. And uh, some of them have windows. Yeah. Uh, the ones without windows, that seems claustrophobic to me, but... Um, no, no, not really. Uh, the one we have is quite small. You close your eyes. It's being in a dark room, sensory deprivation. There's something yeah. to be said for that. You know, if I want to do that, I'll go have an MRI. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, you've got me there. Uh, but those are more expensive, frankly. You get an MRI machine. Those cost you more. Than well, I guess. Yeah. All right. Um, are there any sales on Wayfair? Uh, for MRIs? I think you can yeah. get an MR. Uh-huh. You can't get the MRI. Okay. Anyway, moving right along here, just a quick museum update. Uh, you know, by the BT Dub, as we say, Pennsylvania museums are shut down. Okay. Gyms are shut down. Yeah. Um, indoor dining shut down mm-hmm. until at least January fourth. Uh, but nonetheless, at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City, they have gotten a new fabulous gift from Ronald. Louder, mm-hmm. um, son of Este Louder, right? Right. Um, so he's loaded, right? And his brother is loaded, right. Leonard. Leonard Louder, right? yeah. Leonard uh, recently gave a billion dollars worth of art to the Met, um, uh, you know, a few years ago. Now Ron is giving arms and armor, which is kind of good news because really, arms and armor is always fun to see. Okay. If you wear, well, if you have kids, yeah, um, I, it's, and you go to a museum, it. teenagers it's like a it. fun thing yeah, yeah. to look at. Young people like this. Little kids like to see the, the horses in the armor. Bigger kids are fascinated by the samurai swords or whatever. Right. Um, and, you know, visually, they're pretty fantastic. And, uh, you know, and the whole art form has a real place. Mm-hmm. in sort of the history of art and the development of printmaking and sculpture and uh, other things. So the other thing that is great about Arms and Armor, mm-hmm. nobody else is collecting it. You All can right. get this stuff for a song. Mm-hmm. Consequently, Ronnie Lauder has built up quite a collection. I was just going to say, how's he going to give a billion-dollar gift if you can, if you can uh, get her for a song? He could corner the market. I mean, and he collects all kinds of stuff. Yeah. He collects... He'd started the Noya uh, Gallery mm-hmm. on 
Manhattan. You've been there. We've been there to see like German Expressionists. I feel like you know, I've been to every a, gallery a, a in New York. Charming yes. Fifth Avenue, charming sort of mansion that's mm. been turned into a museum, and right. it has a wonderful little um, Viennese cafe uh, on like the first floor. And, and as, as you've seen, you've been there to see things. Like, I'm not denying also, it. Clint, I, yeah, I, I admit it. Anyway, I've he has a there. variety of right. interests, yeah. but um, Arms and Armor well. is one of them. And of course, Arms and Armor uh, actually uh, sort of formed the um, kind of one of the basic building blocks of, uh, of the, the Metropolitan. Well, yeah. look, if we ever get back to the Met, we'll know that their uh, collection of Arms and Armor is unparalleled. Is that a fair statement? Right. Okay. Something to look forward to. So um, there was an article um, that kind of was intriguing to me at least. It said, "Use you use more of your brain than Hollywood thinks. So you would so think... So I'm not getting to do my article? Which, which was your article? Oh, no, no. Do your article first. Do your article first. I'm <laughs> sorry. You wanted to talk about uh, foods to eat to, to help your sleep, right? Right. Oh, go speak right. to that first. Okay. Yeah. So there's an article in the New York Times saying, uh, basically saying, uh, what you eat affects how you sleep. Yeah, I believe that. Okay. How, but it also says how you sleep affects what you want to eat. Well, it's a vicious circle. Did you see this, Noelle? I did. I read through that. Um, And so did any of it resonate? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Like, I mean, the the part that I was waiting for was, like, I had heard about tryptophan in Turkey and tryptophan in Turkey being helpful. That's, like, why you get sleepy after Thanksgiving is... Right. Um, and also have, milk has tryptophan and it's supposed to make you... But what did the article say? You need carbohydrates with the with the meat in order to have it absorb better into your body. So something right. like Thanksgiving is like perfect for helping you sleep. You, you need yeah. or yeah. milk and cookies. But it has to be com- complex carbohydrates. Oh no! Oh, I, I said <laughs> if you simple carbs, yeah. all right, give you bad sleep. Okay, mm. if you have a diet that's high in sugar, saturated fats, and processed carbs, yeah. you have terrible sleep patterns. Okay. Yeah. Um, Look, I- but if you have complex carbs with lots of fiber yeah. apparently you go for sound sleep so you have to it's true the carbs help the tryptophan be absorbed through the brain the, plane, the brain yes. blood the barrier plane, yes, right. whatever that is right. to make you sleep right. um, but oh my god it's so complicated so what do they say at the end oh um, I don't remember what they say at the end but I think uh, I mean it makes sense to me that you, when you eat, like, sorry, <laughs> we are swaddling a baby Someone's right got now. Someone's got her hand up, I think, <laughs> with the answer. Pepper is saying, Pepper is saying, uh, you know, I, I sleep very she, well. She definitely, she can definitely speak to the sleepy properties of milk. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway. But she actually doesn't, anyways, yeah. The, what the it just, comes down what, to is, what it always comes down to and uh, I think even you have said this to me. It's all about a good diet. It's all about a healthy diet. Yeah. There's no yeah. one miracle food. We like to joke around, uh, you know, this will help you do this, and this will do this for you. But really, um, at the end of this article, they say, 
a healthy diet, which by which they seem to mean Mediterranean diet, right, with fish yes. and fruits and vegetables and uh, and so on, is the best. Well, the other thing, except that the one thing that you have mentioned that might help put you to sleep, I think, is the meat wreath, because the meat wreath has the protein <laughs> and the carbohydrates. So, so that's the perfect, you the know, perfect food before you go. To the meat wreath. We keep coming back to that. Those those cake those, those Brits they Brits, know something. The cake people are geniuses. All right, so let me get to the article that uh, I know everyone wants to hear about. You use more of your brain than Hollywood thinks, and you you might think what the headline is saying is. Um, Hollywood just keeps making one stupid movie after another, but you actually use more of your brain than Hollywood thinks. Uh, that is actually not what the article is about. The article is about the fact that there are several uh, movies for which the main uh, thesis underlying the movie is that there is a character who has superhuman abilities because unlike most normal humans who only use 10% of their brain, this superhuman character uses 100% of that person's brain. And that's all you need to become, quote, superhuman. But we want to believe in that. I know we want to believe in that. We want to believe that we're not using everything we've got. We want to believe that we have untapped potential. Right. And then this is where the Wall Street Journal comes in heavily and it says, yeah, you may want to believe it, but it's not true. It's not true. (laughs) You're using all of your brain. But did you read about the origin of the mythology? Yeah, it's ridiculous. No, but it, it was great. It was it, great. It's a completely because fictional. It's Lowell Thomas wrote an introduction well, to a Dale Carnegie William book. James. Yes. William James. Yes. Uh, right. Henry's brother, right? Right. The father of American psychology. Right. He makes some remark. Right. All right. Uh, based on something he read. Yeah. That we're not using that much of the brain. Right. Then somebody else kind of uh, quantifies that and yes. says, oh, it must be 10%. We're, we're only using about 10% right. of our brain. Well, and then who picks it up? Yeah. Dale, Dale Carnegie. Carnegie. Right. Okay. And How to Win Friends and Influence People. Book. Right. And that's 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 a what, sad what, commentary. What was the book again? How to Win Friends and Influence People. How to Win Friends and Influence People. So 1936. I mean, even I have read that book. That book is still in print. I know, but okay? it's a it's based it's on a falsehood. It's nonsense. That you have unlimited potential. But it's not true. If you follow I'm telling you, my recommendations. You have put your brain through the ringer and gotten every ounce out of it. There's nothing left to get from it. They're, they're breaking the That's really not the information we want to spread. Well, during, it's true. But what's quarantine. interesting, too, is how much energy it takes to maintain the brain. That's something, which is, you know... At, the uh, as you get older, you need to you need less energy to maintain the brain. Perhaps twenty uh, percent of your energy is necessary. Not that much there. No, 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 no. Because you're just so better at it. But if you're five <laughs> years old, forty percent of your energy goes to maintaining the brain. So if you think of Pepper right now, she's using like all her faculties just to keep that brain going well, that at the high sense. level. Look at everything she's got to figure out. Yeah. Just last week, she was trying to figure out what the heck her hands do. Yeah. Can to your do. point, I... She may want to return heard, to that subject. <laughs> I, have, <laughs> uh, I have heard that when newborns, that's a, that they actually have more neurons that are firing more constantly. So, like, what Dan yeah. was saying about uh, getting more efficient is somewhat true. Yeah. That you don't have to use as much stuff. So, she's, like, slowly realizing that she doesn't have to use, um, like, trying to figure out what... 
I don't know what buttons to push exactly. that make her, well, she <laughs> make knows her what fingers buttons to move. Push. She's yeah. got that down. But yeah. the, the point is... I could just see you say, look, look, Pepper, it's not nuclear physics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just save your neurons. That's, that poor girl has her hands full. Plus, you know, she, she doesn't have exactly, you know, in Zeke, the most on top of things parent to work with. So she's really, it's challenging. Oh. It's challenging for her. All right. So that the oh, yeah, other half of our science topic. report... So has, is that good news or bad news? I don't, I don't know. Is what good news? The, the, the we're using more of our brain. It's no, it's 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 uh it's not the full. It's not news. great news, but don't worry about it's it. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. We're on top of it. We're doing the best we can under the circumstances. Uh, the other scientific report we wanted to bring to light has to do with sewage, of course. Um, waste water. Waste water. Now here's something. The headline says, and this is just this past week about New York City. The front line of detection now runs through sewer pipes, and New York City is now actively monitoring the uh, waste that appears in sewage pipes in various neighborhoods in order to determine how much COVID is in the area because uh, the waste really indicates how prevalent a virus is in any particular area. And they're increasingly finding this useful and something which is worth investing time and resources. Now, this is good also, except we have to acknowledge, I think it ought to be acknowledged, that we broke this story in June or July. Yes. I mean, yes. people were on to this. The whole rest of the country has right. been figuring this out. Well, not okay. the whole rest of the country. And it, it, it is genius. Instead yeah. of all this nonsense, you of, just look do at you the waste. have COVID? Right. Do you feel you have any symptoms, right. you know, et well, cetera, and so well, forth? They have, you know, scientific evidence of how much COVID is, you know, floating around. Yeah, well, the, they did. In a specific area. But they did, they did. There are people who are believers and not believers. They ask one person who's in, in this area in uh, the New York government, and he says, well, it's really not as accurate as testing every citizen individually. No kidding. <laughs> every day. <laughs> every day. And, and yet the opposite is they have advocates for the utility of sewage, and they, uh, they ask this one person, uh, uh, Mr. Rodano, who is a big advocate because he's a third-generation worker for the Department of Sanitation, and another of his co-workers chuckles and says, quote, he's got sewage running through his veins. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, well, I, I hope, hope not, too, but in any event. But <laughs> anyway, so... It, I'm glad they're finally on to that. That's a step in the right direction. Uh, so, okay. Uh, now we're getting to the football part of the, the uh, podcast, just very briefly. Um... Ray Perkins passed away. Uh, who's Ray Perkins? Um, so Ray Perkins was the coach of the Giants in about the uh, late 70s, 79, 80, 81, as you all remember. Uh, but he was the guy who actually turned the Giants around. The, the Giants were a laughing stock, as they were today, uh, of the NFL. Uh, but for years and years and years, so much of a laughing stock that one of their fans uh, hired a plane to fly over the stadium during one of the games carrying the message that says 15 years of lousy football, which didn't sit well with the owners of the team. And they made a change. They got a new general manager, a fellow named George Young, who was did a great job. And he brought in Ray Perkins as his first act with the coach. And Ray Perkins was the guy who turned the Giants around. Ray Perkins, under his leadership, they uh, and with George Young, of course, they acquired Phil Simms, they acquired Lawrence Taylor, they acquired Harry Carson, which were the building blocks of their later championship teams. He also brought in as assistant coaches Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. So this is no small thing. And Ray Churkin, he left after three years because he wanted to succeed Bear Bryant as the coach of Alabama, 
which is, you know, a legendary position, so you can understand that. But he clearly was the cornerstone of the new direction. And here's the thing I have to say. I have only written one fan letter to a sports figure in my entire life, and it was to Ray Perkins really? when he left the Giants. And I said, uh, I don't know if this has been acknowledged as much as it should have been, but you have done the impossible and in three years turned this franchise around. Uh, he didn't write back, why would he? But uh, <laughs> he was, uh, I, I was right. Within a few years, they won a Super Bowl, and then another Super that Bowl a few years and, after. That uh, COVID sewage report. Look, I'm, I'm on a roll here. So finally, uh, Noel, you're still with us? I'm still here. Okay, good. We're, we're wrapping up. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Every year, uh, you know, Christmas and Christmas music go together. And sometimes it feels that the only music you hear in December is Christmas music, certainly if you're in a, in a supermarket or anything like that. And the times uh, helpful. Well, if you're if you're in a mall or a supermarket, you're depressed to hear Christmas music. Usually. But it's there; you can't help it because it's just the same old, it's the worst same kind. Old, same old. But very helpfully, and, and Times has done this for years and years and years. Certainly, at least thirty years, going back to Ray Perkins' time. Uh, they put together a list and a little explanation of what they think are the outstanding holiday CDs for the season. It used to be a, a bigger article. Uh, than it is now, and that's because people used to buy CDs. But in any event, they did have the article this year, and it's, they have about 20 recommendations, each with a paragraph explaining why. And I uh, I listened to almost to the large majority of these because I have to, before Miss Granger is allowed to hear anything, I have to uh, curate. Curate, exactly yeah. right. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but I will say. The one that I think we've landed on is the most promising, and I wanted to make this recommendation to our listeners, is a, a CD called A Very Chilly Christmas uh, by a fellow named Chili Gonzalez. And how would you describe that music? Terrific. It is... In fact, I first heard the music when uh, I got up in the middle of the night and came into the kitchen. We don't need all the details. And you were... Yes listening to yeah, something. I was testing And it. I said, that's amazing. What is that? And I said, of And course. that's what it was. Yeah. And it really is. Um, is it all instrumental? It's largely instrumental, yeah. but it's not all instrumental. It had that cut with Jarvis Cocker, you'll recall. All right. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's kind of, it's somewhat contemplative. It's not real jazzy. Uh, and as you said, largely instrumental, but it's standards. But it's, it's, it's mostly, it's mostly standards, standards, but it's very unique and it's very good. So we recommend a very chilly Christmas. Now, uh, Noah, I don't know if you and Zeke would have a favorite CD for Christmas or anything you would recommend. I don't know. What do you think, Zeke? I always have a tough time. For a little while, I went and went down this indie rock Christmas. No, that's fine. I'm, I'm into indie rock for Christmas. There are some great indie <laughs> rock Christmas songs. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I listened to, this, I think at like freshman year of college, listened to the same thing over and over again and eventually decided that I didn't like it. So I don't know. I think we just listen to Spotify playlists, try to just get something as, sometimes when people get too experimental with it, it gets bad and weird. All right. All right well, look. Um, but well, we've made it easy for you this year because this is a brand new release. These are brand new music by Chili Gonzalez. Do you have anything to add from Zeke or is that, are you representing the two of you? Zeke, would you like to speak? I'm just the producer of this episode. Oh, okay. Well, Zeke's not getting paid. He's not going to say anything. Okay, uh, <laughs> good. So we recommend that. Um, and, uh, you know, I we still have a couple... that's all for tonight, Yeah, but so we, we have a couple weeks till Christmas. Pepper seems to have calmed down. Yes. I'm glad um, to hear that. Actually, we are getting ready for another Snowmageddon. Yeah. Yeah, we got 14 oh. inches 
coming to us that the you, you seem delighted on Wednesday. On Wednesday, we're going to be snowed in. So not so much I'm in Los jealous. Angeles. I miss I miss the snow a lot this year. Yeah, I mean for a skier like you, wow, that's a big change. No, All right. no snow. Well, anyway, thanks for uh, joining us. Noel. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I appreciate you inviting me. All right. Well, we'll uh, have you again soon. And our love to Pepper and, uh, and, and your your producer. And your here. producer, whatever okay. his name is. And uh, so this is Tamsin Granger. <laughs> and Dan Abuhoff. With Tamsin and Dan reading the paper, we'll be back again next week. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.